is where we are going to begin tonight. I was reading or studying for this Bible study tonight, and the Lord was just pressing on me a direction to go. And, uh, you know, sometimes there are subjects that we dip back into the well uh, often, and this is one of them. Uh, as we look into who is God and who is Jesus Christ, we're going to be looking at the mighty God in Christ tonight. Uh, I would suppose that many of you have, uh, this will not be your first time hearing this, but um, that is uh, the reason that we dive into subjects like this is because we want to have sound doctrine. We want to be able to Make sure that what we believe about God is founded in Scripture. Uh, we've seen throughout the ages, throughout, uh, I guess, since the, the first church was established by Peter, um, we've seen how there have been heresies and there's been things that have entered into the church that uh, uh, one of which is uh, at an early time uh, was related to this very subject and because of that, uh, the, many in the church have received a different salvation plan than what is mentioned and what was uh, lived out in Scripture. And you can say what you want about, about certain things and you know, you know, whether or not we have them exactly right as to, as to certain doctrines on, on, on some stuff in Scripture. But uh, when it comes to salvation, I want to make sure that we have that right. And you say, well, is this a salvation point? I, I do believe it is that we need to know who Jesus Christ is. We need to know the mighty God in Christ because as soon as you get this off, you start to uh, you start to uh, look at salvation and the salvation plan in a different light. And so uh, we're going to be looking here tonight at the mighty God in Christ, which is Jesus Christ. We're going to start here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is the very first message that was preached to the church there in Jerusalem as Peter stands up right after declaring that you must repent, be baptized, you will be filled with the Holy Ghost, he uh, gave that as a response to what they must do to be saved. And now he says that they or now the scripture says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship, and breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. Now, this is this is where we as a church identify with that doctrine. We as a church, uh, this is, we are, this is New Life Apostolic Church, or this is a, the church that we, we go back to the, the apostolic or the apostles doctrine. And, and we want, we don't want to just take things from, uh, from, from man's viewpoint that has over thousands of years, you know, where we have gotten to, but I want to go back to the ones who heard it straight from Jesus. In fact, I want to I want to go right back to what Jesus uh, Himself even said, and let's look at uh, this. It's uh, this apostles' doctrine. We see that the true identity of Jesus Christ was one of the very first doctrines that was taught by the apostles. This understanding of who Jesus is was He just 
a prophet? Was he just a good man? Was he... They wouldn't have thought this, but this doctrine was introduced and some started to believe this later on in the church that perhaps he was just an angel that, that came and it was a, uh, it was a, a, you know, some angelic being or some kind of a, a demigod, some, some other god that came that was not really flesh, but rather just, just a, a god that had the form of, looked like it was flesh. And, and no, they, they, they had an understanding of who Jesus really is. Who is he? Because the reason that they, they taught this from the very beginning is because everything else that they preached rested on that. Everything else that they would do rested on their understanding of who Jesus is. Now, they had spent three and a half years with Jesus. I don't think they really understood who he was fully until... Those last 50 days. You have a, a declaration. Maybe, maybe some of them, maybe Peter had the revelation of who Jesus was prior to his resurrection, but it was that post-resurrected Christ that convinced them. They knew for a fact this is God in Christ. This is the mighty God in Christ. Jesus is God manifest in flesh. We see it, them preaching this gospel or this message of, of who Jesus Christ was, what his identity was. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, if you want to turn there, it says that they let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified. Both Lord and Christ. Jesus came. The one that you crucified. The one who was a man in flesh. He is also the very God. The, the Lord of, of all. The, and he is the Christ. The Savior. The one who would be sent to this earth to, uh, to pay the price for our sins. The one that would redeem us from our sins. Acts chapter 5 we see. In verse 42, we see that daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach what? Was it the miracles? Was it just gathering together and eating, eating dinner together? They did those things, but no, when they gathered and they, in, in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. This was not about me. This was not about, they weren't looking at themselves or trying to, to say, you know, as perhaps you would have thought from some of their conversations, you know, about who is the greatest among us. It wasn't about Peter anymore. It wasn't about James and John who were arguing on the, on the road about which one of them was going to end up being the greatest. It wasn't about them. It was about Jesus Christ. They teach and they preached about Jesus Christ, about who he was. And then we see from this, uh, from this church, we, we uh, find Paul, who, of course, writes the majority of the, the New Testament. And in, in his writing, we see so many different instances of him pointing to Jesus Christ and who Jesus was. And in one of his early, early letters, this letter to the Colossians, he writes in chapter 2, verse 9, speaking of Jesus, he says, For in him, 
dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus Christ is all of God wrapped up in him. All the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus Christ. The full identity of, of who God was, was in Jesus Christ. This was God manifest in flesh. I don't have it here, written here, but John, when he opens up his gospel, he writes it plainly. You can read through. In fact, let's, let's just turn there. In John chapter 1. John begins his gospel in such a different way than any of the other gospel writers. He doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus. Rather, he goes all the way back. All the way back. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, that all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Okay? Beginning, it was God. God is the one who made everything. God's the one. Uh, who, who uh, he, he was the life and him was life. The life was that light of men that when it came, uh, the men didn't uh, understand what it was. Um, let's skip down to verse number eight. He was not that light, speaking of John the Baptist, but he was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him. Okay, who was in the world? Yeah, Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus here. Because he was speaking about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist what came as a forerunner or to bear witness of the fact that Jesus would come. And, and, and it says that he came. He was that light. And he came and it says, and the world was made by him. Now, wait a minute. I thought that the world was made by God. It just told us that. He just said that in verse 3, that everything was made by God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and, and the world was all framed by Him. But now He says that He who came into the world, the one that John introduced uh, to the world, that He was the one who made the world. There's a reason for that. It's because they're one and the same. Verse 11 says that He came... Unto his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And look at verse 14. The word was made flesh. Now what is the word? Verse 1 said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was... God, the word was made flesh, that God was made flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, the only begotten of the father. That means he had a beginning point. Jesus had a beginning point that this point, the, the, the son, the son came and he had 
he had a beginning point full of grace and truth. Okay, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper. Let's look at the full identity of Jesus Christ. The first thing that we could say is that Jesus is Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the name that was not revealed to them, but the name that they longed for to know. Scripture, it often uses monotheistic Old Testament passages which uniquely referred to Yahweh, and then it applies them to Jesus Christ. We see this in many New Testament passages where you have a uh, a, an Old Testament verse that's being quoted, and then it is now being applied to Jesus Christ. Here we can look at it in Joel chapter 2. This verse in Joel chapter 2 is then quoted by the writer of Romans, by Paul here in Romans, to refer to Jesus. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Now anytime you see in your Bible, if you have a, uh, especially a King James Version Bible, if, whenever you see it, all capital L-O-R-D, that means Jehovah, Yahweh. Okay, that is, that is the, the name that was given to Moses, uh, up on Mount Sinai when Moses asked for his name. And, and this Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitalized, is speaking of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in the original Hebrew, that would have been translated uh, Yahweh. But now uh, it, it, we see Paul use that same reference. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, What was the name that they were calling upon in baptism? They were calling upon the name of Jesus. They were baptizing in Jesus' name. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, shall be saved. And in Psalm chapter 24, Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, it says that the earth is the Lord's, again, all capital, in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. is then repeated in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he that, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, I am Jehovah. And Second Corinthians says, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Speaking of Jesus Christ, let him glory in the Lord. The God of the Old Testament is then revealed to us as Jesus Christ. Jesus. Now Jesus is the Son of God. I don't want us to... Um, I don't, I don't want us to ever discount that, the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. But what does that mean? What does this terminology, Son of God, mean? Is He the same way Son as my three sons are Son to me? They are not me, but they are flesh of my flesh. It's not quite the same. When we look at what is meant by the Son of God, we're talking about Son being the human 
identity, Christ's human identity, that this is the flesh of God. This is now God is a spirit, but when God came to earth, he put on flesh. And when he did that, we refer to that as the son of God, the one that was birthed of Mary when the spirit overshadowed her, came in her, but then it came out, born a baby and that baby would be named Jesus Christ, which means Yahweh saves. The son acknowledges the unity or the union of deity and humanity in Christ. When you use this word son, it's, 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 it's talking about the fact that God, who is a deity, God, who is a spirit, came and dwelt or put himself in humanity and lived. And we see him as the son of God or the flesh, the one, the God that put on flesh He is the son of God. This role, this is a role that God took, uh, that God took in this moment when he uh, was born of of Mary, he was the only begotten of the Father. Remember that scripture that we just read in John chapter one. He was the only begotten of the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, had a beginning point. Okay, this this point right here is is one of the uh, one of the areas of the doctrine of the Trinity that. Uh, really sets apart what they mean by God is three in one and what I see in Scripture as saying God is three in one. They'll tell you, a, a, any Trinitarian believer will, um, will say that God is three in one. He is one God. But when they look at that, they look at the Son as being an eternal Son. That the Son... Separate from the Father and separate from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, all three of them have existed co-eternally. They have all existed for eternity. Well, Scripture says that there was one that was begotten. That means he had a beginning point. And that is that is the, the beginning point, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is the very first time that we see God put himself inside of a human flesh for a, a lifespan of a, of a man. This is the first time that we see this. There is, there, you can see references to the sons of God in the Old Testament. Uh, this is referring, uh, th- those are references to um, like the children of God, just like you and I are the children of God. It's not a reference to the one son of God who would be God come down dwelling in flesh in, in the incarnated um, uh, spirit uh, of God. There was a beginning point to Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, has not always existed. The one that or this began at the incarnation, this began when he was born of Mary. We can go to there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says that the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing 
to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. This was God coming in as the Spirit overshadowing Mary. And this is the... uh, the confirmation to Joseph that that she was carrying this uh, this God child inside of her. In Hebrews chapter one, verse number five, it says, "For unto us, or for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father. In this, or and thou shalt be to me a son." He is the one. He is the one who came as the son of God that was the incarnated um, uh, spirit that would come down and dwell with us in flesh. I know we could dive so much deeper into each of these uh, each of these things here. But I want to look at what about the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit that was in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is that spirit that uh, the same spirit that we have today, right? You have the same spirit. If you're filled with the spirit of God, you have the same spirit in you that was in Christ Jesus. That's scripture. The same thing that was in him is in you. Now, it looked it was it's the relationship was different, the relationship to how God was in Christ is 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 uh, different from how He is in us. In that, God's Spirit is not what birthed us. We don't have the same kind of intertwining of our our flesh and our spirit in the same way that Jesus did. But Jesus was just as much human as you are human. And he had the same spirit that you can have when you get filled with the spirit of God. And it can be in you. It's not just with you, but it can be in you. Uh, that the Spirit of God is, is in you. In John chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, we see Jesus speaking here on that Spirit. He says, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither it knoweth Him. But you know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Who dwells with you? Jesus dwells with you. And Jesus shall be in you. How is that? It's because Jesus in him was the same spirit. In him was the spirit of God that dwelt in him. And he says that he shall come and dwell in you. He shall be in you and I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. Is that the is that the end of verse eighteen there? It is. Thank you. Praise God. Matthew chapter eighteen. If we can go there, Matthew chapter eighteen, 
It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, this is Jesus speaking. There am I in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered together. This is still speaking to today. To today. Where we are gathered together, we have Jesus Christ. The same spirit that was in him is present with us today. The Holy Spirit is the spirit that was in Jesus Christ. Now I want to look here at this. If you flip over your paper at this uh, uh, understanding Jesus and the dual nature that was in Christ Jesus. Because while on earth, Jesus was both fully God and he was fully human. Unlike a spirit-filled believer, the humanity of Jesus was completely joined with all the fullness of God's spirit. He was not merely a spirit-filled human, but he was God incarnated into a human. He had a dual nature. He was both man and he was God. He was 100% flesh and he was 100% God, God in Christ, the mighty God in Christ, come to dwell inside of man. We see this in Scripture. We see in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 through 25, that as a man, Jesus was born. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. It shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. He took unto him his wife. He knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So as a man, Jesus was born. But as God, we see in John chapter 8, verse 58, that he pre-existed his birth. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, this is not in the role of the Son who was dwelling here on earth. This is because He is the eternal God. He had the same Spirit that was completely in who He was. His identity was that of the God of Abraham, the ones who framed the earth and and spoke everything into existence. So before Abraham ever was, Jesus could say, I am. I am the one who did that. I am the one who preexisted. As man, Jesus increased in wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse Number 52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. But as God, Jesus knew all things. We see that in John chapter 21 verse 17 that, uh, that he understood and he was able to, uh, he knew all things that, uh, of those around him. John chapter 21. Verse 17 says, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. Thou knowest that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. As a man, Jesus grew hungry. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. When he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. But yet as God, he was able to do the miracle of feeding the thousands. Matthew chapter 14, verse 19 through 21, it says that he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves, the two fishes, and he looked up to heaven. He blessed, he broke, he gave the loaves to his disciples, the disciples to the multitude. They did all eat, they were filled, they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. As God, he was able to do the miraculous. As a man, Jesus was a servant. Tells us in Philippians 2 7 that he made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. But as God, Jesus was made the King of Kings. Revelation 19, verse 16. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And yet, as a man, he came and in the form of a servant. As a man, Jesus dwelt here on this earth. We saw that in John chapter 1, verse 14, where it said that the Word was made flesh. It dwelt here among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We saw Him. We were able to touch Him. We spent time with Him here on this earth. But yet, Colossians tells us that as God, Jesus, He created the earth. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Amen. Colossians is such a rich book, such a rich letter that you can go to. Uh, when studying this subject here of who is Jesus Christ, um, it's all in Him. All the fullness of the of the uh, Godhead dwells in Jesus Christ. We see that played out over and over in the Book of Colossians. This understanding of who Jesus is. We see as a man that Jesus prayed. Luke chapter twenty-two. We see him. He was in the garden. He went and he prayed. Why did he pray? What did he pray? There are many times that we actually see Jesus going off into the solitude and he would pray. We see specifically what he's praying for in this moment. He's saying, if I will, let this cup pass from me. I don't, I don't want to go through the pain and the, the, the agony of what I know is about to take place. It's because he was, he was a man. He had the same He he could feel the same pain that you and I would feel if we were crucified. He felt the same things. He he had the same worries. He had the same uh, thoughts that were going on in his mind that says, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through the pain. But yet, he submitted his flesh to the will of the Spirit in that moment. And that's what the prayer is all about. It's about 
putting the flesh down and letting the spirit be the thing that would continue to, to keep him marching on towards what he had to accomplish. It was bringing the flesh down and the spirit up. But in John chapter 14, we see that as God, Jesus answered prayer. John 14, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus can answer prayer. As a man, Jesus was the sacrifice for sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says that as that almost all things are by the law, purged with blood, without shedding of blood, there is no remission. That he himself gave his life as the sacrifice for sin. But yet when he was alive, we see that he still, as God, was able to forgive sin in the moment. In Mark chapter 2, verse 5, it tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. And they said, well, how does this man speak these blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? That's because he was God. He was God. They didn't understand who Jesus really was. That as a man, Jesus died. In John 19, verse 30, we see that Jesus gave up the ghost, bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. He died. But as God, Jesus arose from the grave. There wasn't anybody else that did this for him, but he, as God, arose from that tomb. It tells us in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 1, that upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices, which they had prepared certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in. They found out the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass that as they were much perplexed, thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth. They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee. Jesus Christ, as man, he felt and experienced the same things that we would experience. But as God, he was able to do the impossible. As God, he was the one who answered prayer. As God, he was the one who forgave sin. As God, he was the one who knew all things and fed multitudes and arose from the grave. As God, he was able to do all of that. See, Jesus Christ had a dual nature. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We'll finish with this scripture here tonight, we're, we're a little early tonight. Praise God. First Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. This has been a question that has still continued to be a... Um, still continue to be a question over the ages, but... Here, he's trying to settle it. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Colon. They've been wondering this for a long time. Who is God? Who is this Savior that is to come? 
We know that there is going to be a Christ that will come to this earth and that will save the people from their sins. We want to know who is God. They've been wanting to know this for the thousands of years in the Old Testament. Great is this mystery of godliness. Now, colon, let me tell you the mystery. The mystery is revealed right here. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of the angels. But yet, he preached to the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world. And yet, he was received up into glory. Without controversy. In other words, this teaching is accepted by all in the church. This isn't up for debate anymore. Without controversy. This is something that has been settled from this day forward. This thing that we I'm about to tell you is the truth. The truth is this. That uh, this, this mystery that they've been wondering about for all these years. That has been revealed to us when God was rendered visible in human form. When he was justified in the spirit or when he was pronounced righteous by God. That means that he was the one that when God came down, he made Jesus Christ a righteous man, sinless from birth. He was seen of the angels. The angels were present at his resurrection and at his ascension. He was received up into glory. Jesus ascended up into the heavens and then he preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world. This message Produced irrefutable, positive results when it was preached to the world. He preached to the Gentiles. And it continues to be preached to the Gentiles. That message of who he is. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, why is this so important? I said, I was talking about salvation, beginning of this. It's because when we... When we come to this, uh, this decision of baptism, we better understand what, where the, the power of, to wash away our sins really dwells. It's not, it's not just in, uh, in, in doing it any way, but, but I want to do it the way that scripture tells me. I want to do it and make sure that, that I am being baptized the way that the scripture says I need to be baptized. I don't know if you, you saw uh, in the in the news recently. There was uh, there was some I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. I believe in Florida, and then there was another state as well that, uh, that something else was brought up. But in the Catholic Church, in the Catholic Church, they uh, there was a certain priest recently that uh, over a, a span of decades he was he was baptizing his constituents and. He would baptize them, and uh, he was saying the word, I believe, uh, believe it is, uh, he was saying we instead of I in, the, in his baptismal formula. Because at one point, it, in they in their, in their faith and, and how they would baptize people, they had a certain phrase, certain thing that they have to say. Um, and, and instead of saying uh, I, he was saying we. And this, there was a great controversy over this when he realized that he had messed up this one word. And he himself, 
And this is kind of went up the ladder of the bishops. And, and they said, you know what? This nullifies decades of people's baptisms by changing that one word. There was another priest in a, another uh, another state that, again, kind of the same the same thing came up. And you have all these Catholics that are wondering, am I really saved? Was I really saved? He didn't say I, he said we. I think there ought to be a further examination. Because in Scripture we see that it was not done in the titles and an understanding of uh, of God as as three as God God being three uh, uh, three separate beings of God uh, of the Father the Son and the the Holy Spirit He is not three but He is one that this God that is all three of those came to us and was revealed to us in Jesus Christ and that Jesus is the one who gave Himself for our sins and Jesus is the name whereby we must be saved and it's Jesus and why is it that Jesus has such powers because He is is God in Christ. He is the one that came to take away the sins of the world. He isn't just a son that would come and that was sent of God and was of some other part and just some lesser God. No, he was all of God. The fullness of God come down. And that's why he has the power and he has the authority to take away our sins. And when I pray to Jesus Christ, I'm not praying to some other mediator. I'm praying to God himself. He became the mediator when he put on flesh and he came down as a man. He became the one that we can go to and we don't need somebody else to go to when we pray, but we can go straight to him who who came and dwelt here on this earth. And so when I come and I'm baptized in the waters and they say I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not missing some uh, two, two parts of God. No, that is all of God. That is the name of salvation that was revealed to us in Christ Jesus. The mystery that they'd been looking for and wondering about for all those years was revealed when Jesus came to this earth. And so when you when you get baptized, you have an understanding of who God really is. And when you understand that God himself gave his life on the cross. He didn't send somebody else to do the dirty business. He didn't send his son. And, and how heartbreaking that would be to ha- see your son on a cross. But no, that was God himself putting himself on that cross. The God who formed the earth. The God who breathed life into you. He's the one who he put on flesh. And he put himself on the cross. And he could have gotten down off that cross just as easily. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just the snap of his fingers. But yet he gave his life for us. He gave his life for us. Jesus Christ is the son of God, the flesh of God who came here when God manifest himself in the flesh. Amen. Let's we're going to end our Bible study there tonight. No, we're just a little bit early 
uh, finishing up tonight, but I want to, uh, in fact, let's just, let's just end this Bible study in just a, a time of prayer. Let's seal this with prayer here tonight. Let this be something that would sink into our, our spirits and our minds so that we could be, uh, could, could, uh, help somebody else to come to the realization of who God is. In Jesus name, Lord, we thank you, God, for the revelation of who you are. God, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that you would come and that you would robe yourself in flesh, God, so that we could experience the salvation message so that we could experience salvation through that the, the authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to have an opportunity, Lord, to reveal to somebody else, to help somebody else come to an understanding of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Amen. Go and let's be the church everywhere that you go this week. Go and be disciple makers. Praise God. You're dismissed.